Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us, why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Monica, recorded in April 2023. Hospitality was in her blood, even though she tried to deny it. She shares her career journey that started in Germany and then brought her to France, where she has now been for the past 26 years. And can I just add, she was born in Venezuela. <laughs> All right, we're now recording. Hello, everyone. Noreen here. Today I have with me Monica. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Noreen. It's a pleasure being with you. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, um, it's always a tricky question, you know, when people um, usually ask me where I'm from. Um, it's it's a it's a very difficult question for me to answer. Um, you know, nowadays people are just global. They 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 travel around. They are from different parts. Like you, right? You your parents are everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it's I don't like to put people in boxes and somehow we always try to do that I was born in Caracas in Venezuela in South America but my parents are both Germans actually they are both from the same town in Germany but they met in Colombia in the early 60s and since then have been living there and um, I moved a lot as a kid uh, my father was a hotelier and uh, we moved to Brazil to Peru to Ecuador back to Venezuela and um, they are actually now in Ecuador my family's my brother's family is in Colombia and so I finished in Germany uh, only at 16 so you know I, I came to my parents country very late uh, I wanted to finish school there and do my studies. So um, it's always who have do you have in front of you uh, the the answer, right? Uh, people seem to be reassured when I say I'm German because I I look like a German. <laughs> but when I say I'm actually um, as well Venezuelan, uh, there's always this kind of weird laugh because I don't really look like a Venezuelan. So, um, but I have been the longest now in. Um, living in France. And uh, so I I am really attached to this country. I love living here. Uh, I have a daughter. Um, she's uh, grown up already. She's going to study soon. Um, who am I? I'm a people person. I love networking. Um, I love food, <laughs> all the cultural aspect around food. I love cooking. Um, I hate choosing in in, uh, in restaurants, so I always let people choose for me, and I'm always surprised. Um, I'm I love walking in new cities. Um, I like to um, travel around and just walk and see uh, the country and meet people. Um, I'm a fan of classic music, operas. Um, well, that's me. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for sharing that introduction and. I completely agree with what you're saying in terms of, you know, that introduction of where you're from, because um, I don't look like I'm from Bangladesh or I'm from Switzerland, you know, people. <laughs> and then I was born in Bangkok. Right. So <laughs> everyone gives me that like, OK, but at least yeah. I will say in hospitality, when you give those kind of answers, they're like, oh, OK, fine. You know, like because everyone has that weird story. So when I came to hotel school in Switzerland, 
it was the first time I felt like everyone was weird like me. <laughs> so I felt like, yes, I found my people. This is where I belong. Yeah, you know, and 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 I see that with my daughter when she was a, a kid. Um, she never uh, wanted to speak German because it, it was like kind of weird being in France and being different. And, you know, kids at that age, they, they want to blend in more than anything else. And when she was first in an international school where I put her early because of the languages, she realized that everybody in her class was weird like her. And then she started to speak German because of that or thanks to that. Um, seeing that, you know, everybody, every kid in her class had parents from different parts in her world. So, yeah, it helps. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's the beauty of being in this kind of international environment. You you get to meet with people from, from all over the world. And that's probably what drew me into hospitality. I mean, it was going to be that multicultural, diverse environment that I wanted to to be a part of. So yeah. your father was a hotelier. Is that how you decided to stay in hotels well it's a good question because actually not at all but um my yeah my father was a hotelier um he's retired now he actually worked uh until 80 talk to me about retirement ages now <laughs> um actually the my whole family from my father's side came from brewers and uh, restaurateurs and he was uh, general manager of various hotels um, but I, I, I had this, like every young adult, you know, this resistance, I don't want to, I want to be different. I don't want to do the same things like my parents. And, um, but starting with 16, I always worked in, um, in events, uh, to, to get money, you know, and, uh, I worked on weddings and service and all that. And, I somehow realized I was good at it. And then I had a very smart mother that pushed me without telling me, you know, into hospitality. And then I started to do my apprenticeship in Germany. Yes. Yeah, I think I've always admired that about the German education system. I think it's a little bit the same here in Switzerland as well, that the apprenticeship route that you can go down, like you can then get that real hands-on experience at a really young age because then you know if this is really what you want to do or yeah. not and you know the the difference um if I can compare it with France for example is that it is actually a very valued program um mm. working uh, you don't really need uh, always to have your um baccalaureate uh, you can work right away and this internships goes through three years um is a is a very um reputated diploma you, you do it with the chamber of commerce and industry and it is valued um you don't need to study you know that it's not the case uh, really in france where people ask you immediately what kind of studies you have done mm -hmm. um the internship is in germany is really really good and i've worked in um in the sheraton in frankfurt that's the hotel just in front of the airport 1050 rooms at that time and i can tell you you learn about hospitality you do i did all the departments everything and uh, you really understand um, how the, the different departments work with each other, how people interact, how there is a responsibility for everybody. And we were, I think, if I remember well, 400 employees in total. And from that 400, we were 100 apprentices. So it was a big machine. <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of the things that I wish I'd had before I even started my education I was so 
naive when I first started and especially when I first started working I was just like what am I doing here (laughs) Uh, but life takes us the way that it needs to take us Um, so what did you do after your apprenticeship was over well, I wanted to learn French. I don't remember exactly why, but um, I didn't think that my school uh, French was enough. And so I got the possibility to do uh, an internship in uh, Relais Chateau nearby Lyon uh, as a cook. I worked in kitchen, um, which I realized after a couple of months that actually you don't learn a language in the kitchen. <laughs> At least you learn how to swear, but nothing more. <laughs> And um, I applied uh, to work at uh, a Hilton in Paris and they took me. And so I started off uh, in Paris like this as a receptionist. And I wanted to stay one year. I gave myself one year to learn this language. And here I am 26 years later. (laughs) I um, moved in several hotels. I had the opportunity to do three openings of uh, that was the Four Seasons Hotel in 99 another Hilton in 2004, and a Shangri-La hotel in 2010. Um, and in between, I uh, went to study in um, at Cornell University uh, in Ithaca, and I did as well an MBA in at the ESSEC in hospitality management. So I always did that in between. Um, it was uh, for me, uh, you know, you never stop learning. So that was for me a good, good gap to, to study. Yes, indeed. The the continuous learning is something that I'm learning, right? I, I, I had this notion that once you finish university, that's it, you you stop learning. But you don't, right? Like you you have to keep learning and educating yourself no matter what that may may look like, whether it's on the job or any other additional trainings that you're reading, listening, um, and educating yourself on different topics is is so important. I mean it's it's not a requirement like you would see in the medical profession, but I think it's still a requirement in any in any career that you do. And I think similar to what you were saying there about, you know, wanted to stay in Paris for one year. It was kind of the same for me in London. I wanted to stay one or two years and then 15 years later, I was still there. Uh, yes. But I'm, I, I got out now, although I don't know where I'm going next. So who knows? I can come back. Anything is possible. <laughs> Well, you know, I I, I love being in Paris because I've moved around so much. Um, It's really the little things is going to the bakery and he knows me and things like that. It's um, it's something that I really enjoy. So I think I will stay here for another while. But um, as you said, it's you continuously uh, get uh, your your learning, your inspiration, your input from from a lot of places. And for me, it was always studies. I did uh, the MBA. I was uh, 36, so it is. Uh, it was complicated. I had a, a daughter, obviously. I had to read all the books while she was asleep at night, and um, the, the the people, my my fellow students, were um, more or less 10 years younger than me. It was interesting to have these exchanges, but I learned so much. Um, may, maybe because of my um, professional experience already because I was able to connect the dots, everything that I learned um, in theory now at the MBA, I, I had already had this experience in real life before. So I believe I learned much more than uh, the students that just came out of school. Um, and, and and I continued doing so. I did some courses, online courses, obviously now in, in, on INSEAD or 
Cornell, and and it always brings me some new ideas. Uh, you, you you boost your creativity as well like that. It's important. Um, I accompany a lot of uh, students um, at the beginning of their career, and uh, they have these impressions comes from the parents that they have, they have to be finished after their studies, and they have to have this uh, big uh, position and the money and a reputation right out of school. And it's, uh, well, I, I'm working now thirty years. I can tell you, you have all the setbacks <laughs> possible, so you have to learn to to be flexible as well. Agreed. I, I'm just reflecting back to when I was out still graduating and then looking for a job. I had this like incredible amount of pressure mm. on myself that I have to find the job. I have to do well. I have to be successful. I have to get that right title, that right career that, you know, have everything figured out. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it just didn't work out that way. But and, it's society dictating you. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, what I've learned now is that the rest, all those things, yes, perhaps it's what you need to get you going in the first place, but ultimately it's not what motivates me, what I've gotten out of each experience and what I've learned along the way. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You have to be able to absorb everything and, uh, and take the, um, the advantage from everything. I think the best thing you can uh, you can say when or when you can say that uh, you you know what you don't like in your life that I think you you earned it all <laughs> that's true I remember doing one one podcast episode where she tried like loads of different careers and it was her <laughs> way or process of elimination <laughs> of trying to figure out what she doesn't <laughs> like till she figured out what she did like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's important. Most of people don't know what they don't like. They just have this idea of what they want to be. But it turns out uh, it, it's always different. <laughs> and uh, throughout your career, tell me about the different roles that you've had. Mm -hmm. Well, in, in hospitality, I mainly did uh, the rooms division part. So I uh, was a reception front office manager. Um, I was uh, reservation manager. I did uh, housekeeping as well as um, general housekeeper. And um, my last position in hospitality was as a director of uh, uh, the rooms division. It was basically um, my, my direct superior was the general manager of that hotel. And I had a team of uh, about 100 and something um, across the rooms division. It was a very interesting um, position in Paris. And uh, but after a couple of years, I wanted to, uh, you know, I was in this uh, maybe midlife uh, professional midlife crisis you can have and, and questioning myself. And uh, I had um, the opportunity to uh, join an interior design firm that uh, does uh, or did uh, hotel projects. And um, my role was to open their um, their office in Paris for Europe. Uh, I didn't need to be a designer because there was a partnership in place with a designer, but it was mainly um, using all the skills that I learned in hospitality as uh, client management, um, business development, finance, budgeting, um, and, and people management, right? Hiring everybody, et cetera. It was really, really interesting. And I stayed in this field because I love the creative part of it. And now we have our own firm um, for two years now, 
but uh, working with creative people still in the hospitality industry um, is really rewarding. Thank you so much for, for that introduction. Um, before I go into that change that you had, <laughs> your midlife crisis, which I feel like I'm going through right now, um, I did want to ask a question about, did you ever consider becoming a GM? No. Mm. Yes, no, um, because uh, you see, my um, I, I learned a lot from my father, who was one of those GMs that uh, went into this business because of the people, because of the clients, because of the operational aspect. He was always on the floor. He knew um, all the employees personally. Uh, he greeted all VIPs. Um, that was, for me, the essence of hospitality. And when I moved up the ladder, I realized that more and more um, finance people became GM or um, marketing and sales people became a GM and that they spent more time in the office because they had to fill out all these Excel sheets for the ownership. Um, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to stay on the floor and be with the people. And so it was never actually a, a matter for me um, to become general manager. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I, I've also seen that shift, right, in terms of, you know, what is the role of the GM, how they um, how they interact um, and how, where they spend their most of their time. It has moved from being off the floor to, yeah, being at their desk with Excel spreadsheets. Um, it's changing or it has changed already. <laughs> Well, yes, I hope, um, because we somehow lose the, the real essence of uh, our beautiful hospitality mm. world. Um, my, my father always told me the end of his career, um, he was in this uh, luxurious position to do so, but um, he was in a franchise hotel and he said, I'm just not answering all these uh, requests from corporate and I'm fine with it and nobody asks it. So <laughs> I think you have to work a couple of years more to be able to say this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the luxury of being working up, up until your 80s. The luxury of saying no. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and so moving on to, yeah, your career change. Um, and, you know, I really liked the way that you talked about how you were able to transfer those skills that you've obviously taken into um, when you moved into this um, interior design firm. You know, I think sometimes, you know, for those of us who work in hospitality, we we don't consider enough the transferable mm -hmm. skills, right? the the people side the client management the financing the budgeting you know it's it's just really great to know that you can learn all these things within a hospitality career and you know take it anywhere I mean let's hope that people stay within hospitality but um it, it's a lot of valuable skills that you can learn within hospitality well, you know, it's um, if you are young and you don't know really what to do, I think hospitality in any case is a good choice because you learn so many things and you can um, learn about different aspects and then choose from there, right? Um, hospitality, what you learn is uh, the international aspects. You learn how to deal with people. Um, you know, learn how to manage people and be flexible. And I think that that is valuable for any industry. And maybe along the way, you realize that, oh, I'm good in finance, let's do that. Or I'm good, I'm actually um, happy uh, being in service. So I will continue. So 
I think it's a good starting point uh, in any case. Obviously, yes, we would like to have more people join the hospitality industry, um, but I think it's a, it's an, uh, it's a, you learn, it's a life lesson in any way. That's one thing I've always said about hospitality is that, you know, you can go in any direction, right? You can go into service, you can go into the kitchen, you can go into marketing, you can go into, you know, the finance, like literally there's so many possibilities. And if anything that has taught me from all these interviews I'm doing with the podcast is the variety of careers that all these incredible women have had. So anything really is possible. Um, obviously you need to put a little bit of effort yourself, but there's a lot of opportunity for that for you if you if you go looking for it. And definitely a good place to start. I think someone else also said that everyone should at least do like one to two years <laughs> of service and hospitality in their lifetime. Oh, definitely. And even if it's just a summer job, um, um, my daughter, she started last year to do summer jobs in hotels. And even so, she doesn't want to go into uh, this industry. She actually wants to do something completely different. But it helped her in many ways. First of all, at that age, it's interesting to get some money, obviously. Mm -hmm. But um, she she realized that it is a hard job, but rewarding, um, that you meet uh, impressive people. And uh, uh, she really enjoyed it being at, in, in another city as well, you know, independent on her own. And I think it uh, that should be given to all the young kids to learn that. Completely agree. Uh, so moving back um, to your career, and then you said you started your own firm afterwards. Um, what was the consideration there? Why did you want to do your own thing? Um, and yeah, tell us about that journey. Well, we are three partners. Uh, the main partner is uh, Beth Campbell. Um, she founded Campbell House uh, in 2021, uh, beginning of 2021. And, and I joined her uh, when I left uh, my previous company. Um, we wanted to, we were all worked uh, for a uh, bigger firm, bigger design firm that is uh, not existent anymore, but it was, uh, you know, one of these uh, corporate worlds, 400 employees, 10 offices around the world, very, the, a process in place for everything. And we wanted to do it differently. We wanted to create something that um, is a little bit more uh, boutique oriented, client focused, flexible, um, where the designers have their say, um, where we can be creative. So that was the starting point of it. And um, we built together um, with Beth uh, the, the, the business plan and uh, how we wanted to um, move forward, what clients we wanted to have and all that. And um, it, it has been it has been an interesting journey in two years. Um, it's uh, it's definitely rewarding, even if uh, you have a lot of stress involved, because uh, being still small, uh, you have this startup experience where sometimes um, it works, sometimes not. You know these ups and downs, um, the 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 thrill and the happiness, and then uh, the next day you don't know where you're going. Um, but this is all part of it. And uh, we have an amazing team. Um, we brought the best together, obviously. And uh, we are very um, uh, mindful of, of the starting point of this company. And we are all striving to um, grow it together, which is uh, really fun. Thank you for sharing that. And that um, the, the starting point is so important for any organization, right? Of what mindset you're bringing into it, because then that sets the tone, the culture, the environment, 
um, that's going to attract the people to want to work with you both as an employee, but also clients. And this is something that we talked about earlier about that flexibility. Um, so tell us a little bit more about that approach that you have um, for your for your yeah. work. Yes, we have a, a team that uh, we chose. Uh, so we trust them all. I think that is the most important thing is uh, you have to trust your team. Otherwise, uh, it's not worth it. Uh, they are all adults. They are experienced in their fields. And, you know, after what is it, eight years in the, the design industry, I'm still not a designer. So let them do their work. Um, but uh, we have chosen to be remote uh, on all our team members are uh, spread out uh, in the US, uh, Europe and the Middle East. Uh, they work all from home. Um, and we have learned to be flexible in our uh, pace of work, in our um, working hours, because there's time zones anyway. So there's always somebody working on a project um, and they know their deadlines, they know the risk, they know all the financial aspects in the company. So they um, know what they have to do. Um, you have to trust them that they do it. Uh, so, uh, you know, they work uh, whenever they feel it's right and uh, they work from wherever they feel it's right. Uh, for example, oh, that, that's actually the thing, creative people, put them in, in shoeboxes, right? You can't really put them in an office from nine to five and ask them to be creative then. Um, we have people that enjoy working in the evening, people who enjoy working in the morning, and um, there's no reason why they shouldn't. So we tend to be extremely flexible in these aspects, and uh, and it works. Um, I think as well, one thing that I learned during my career in hospitality is that you have to uh, learn how to you know build some empathy towards your team. Uh, you have to know them. Uh, you have to know how they live, um, what they strive for. Um, have a, an employee who just had a baby, so um, she she cares about the baby at home. So give her the flexibility to be with the kid during the day and work while the kid is sleeping. You know things like that. You have to understand what is important for every single employee. And that you can only do with a lot of empathy. And that's uh, the biggest strength uh, in any firm, I guess. Mm. I completely agree. And thank you so much for sharing that. And you're absolutely right. I think, you know, we were saying this earlier, you know, it doesn't really matter what hours of the day the work is being done, as long as the work is being done, you know, set an expectation, set a deadline and allow people with trust to, to get the work done when they need to. And absolutely, the empathy part is so true. Like for me, you know, I don't know why, but when I first came into my my working life, I was like, okay, I have a, a work persona and a personal persona and like, like the two she'll never meet. And I'm like, that just does not work, <laughs> you know? Like it all meshes into one. You can't just leave your, you know, personal stuff at home when you come to work and you can't leave your work stuff when you go back home, you know? It's all integrated right like it's all one life end of the day and I love what you're saying about knowing what they need knowing how they live what they're striving for and then working around that to give the flexibility now what companies may be saying is what's in it for them so you <laughs> as a company who's doing that what are the benefits that you see well, it's, it's funny that uh, all my life, um, my uh, empathy or my um, 
the care or kindness I, I have towards my team has been uh, confused with uh, weakness or naivety, right? Um, it's, uh, I don't know, I've actually been told not to be too close with my team in the past, which is a really strange argument. Um, but uh, I think it, it is, is actually the strength um, of a team is um, to to have this empathy towards them. Um, the strength of a company is the strength of the team. So um, when you take care of your people, they will always take care of your clients and they will all strive together to make um, the company work, to make it happen, to have the same goal. And you can't uh, do that by um, putting too many rules on them. Um, to, and it's awful because the countries are actually giving you these rules, right? Um, the working hours, um, the, uh, the when you can work and cannot work. And obviously you need them because there is a lot of abuse. And that's what we were saying before. You, yeah. need, you need better management. You need better um, people in the top of companies to avoid that. But... Um, you have to uh, teach your team to blend, as you said, the, the the personal and the and the professional life because this is our world now. Um, I, I have a lot of friends that uh, have given me projects. So where do you make the separation of it? Right, you have to learn to use that. I have been on uh, holidays and have gotten projects, or been on professional events. Um, I, I mix it, uh, but I get the best out of everything. And that's what you have to teach your team because um, they haven't learned that in the past. Uh, I had managers telling me that uh, I'm so sorry I have to leave uh, today at two because I have to pick up my kids. And I said, why do I care? <laughs> I mean, I do care, but you do whatever you want. Uh, how's your kid, by the way? <laughs> it's... Um, teaching people as well to have this flexibility, to use this flexibility, and I guess ultimately to trust the management as well. Completely agree. Thank you so much for sharing that and sharing your own experiences. And I would agree, empathy was something that I never valued or I ever really um, expressed as a strong quality in mine or um, I guess exposed it for lack of a better word I kind of kept it hidden because I I also felt like it's not seen as a as a strength or maybe it's seen as a weakness but over time I realized that no that empathy is what's made me the leader that I am today um, and made me more effective end of the day end of the day as well um, yes sometimes you're definitely constrained by whatever you know, rules that may be in place, either from, you know, the countries or companies, you know, everyone has their own policies and things like that. But there's so much that you can still do as a manager, as a leader to be there for your team and make sure that you have, yeah, the most effective team. And I, and I love what you're saying about, you know, when you invest in them, they will invest in you too. Yeah. And they get stronger as well. Um, you know, we have a various situation. We're still a small team, and we had uh, uh, an employee who wanted to take a, a uh, gap leave uh, to travel the world. Why not? Um, so he will be away for a couple of months, but uh, life goes on, and uh, he will he might come back stronger because he had had these experiences. 
or we have uh, an, uh, a team member that uh, uh, followed his uh, his partner uh, to study in in in, in some country, and uh, he, he asked me whether we will keep him on. I said, why not? I mean, it doesn't really matter where you work from. At least you will be part of this uh, this firm. You know, having this flexibility, this trust to people that they are part of it. Um, uh, it, it is important because they will they will pay let's say pay you back uh, by um, being with you, staying with you, um, and trusting you as well to to move on. It's not easy to build up a startup. You have um, no security for the future. Um, you will never know when the money comes in or not. You know, it's it's still uh, it's still a very um, uncertain environment to work for and uh, it's not given to everybody but if you trust that your team your leaders um, will do everything they can to make it happen and then it's beneficial for everybody absolutely and I'm just looking at the time and I know I could probably carry on <laughs> talking to you but I'm going to move on to my final question and ask you who inspires you well, it's a it's an interesting question because uh, I always um, went my own path. That's my nature. I um, listen to everybody and do it differently at one point. Uh, I I never had anybody uh, anybody else's dreams influence my life. However, um, I uh, had the opportunity to listen to um, an interview with uh, Christine Lagarde. Uh, she is the president of the European Central Bank. I was very impressed of what she was saying. Um, she's a, like the kind of thoughtful, quiet leader that I um, would like to become one day. Um, she said uh, interesting things as well that nobody in this position um, would dare to say like, uh, um, that women are usually the best problem solvers because they are inclusive. Or she said that in most of the meetings uh, she has been doing, there was too much testosterone in the room, <laughs> which I 100% agree that's most of the problems in meetings. And uh, she is um, she's straightforward. She says the truth um, in a very quiet and humble way. And that I have really admired on her interviews. Um, I think that is uh, the, the kind of person, the kind of leader I, I aspire to be. Thank you. Yeah, she's um, she's pretty impressive. I've I've read some stories about her. She was part of a book called Women in Leadership, where they're looking at lots of different politicians from different parts of the world, and and she featured in there. And yeah, I love I love the stories that she shared about her own career. So I'm not surprised that she's one of your um, aspirations as well. So Monica, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Well, thank you very much, Noreen. It's uh, really a pleasure. I was impressed about all the other podcasts. So well done. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were as inspired as I was by that story. Please follow us here and on LinkedIn where I post videos of the recordings. Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality. Thank you.